Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2015 and beyond. I am your guest host or host, guest yeah, host, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever I'm you your, I'm your whatever, Zach Eastman. Your substitute uh, teacher. <laughs> that was good. Yes. That was like, like low key. That was like, mm, hello, 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 everybody. Welcome, Welcome to the library. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the NPR movies. Usually, yeah. it's like, you guys ready for this bullshit? <laughs> That's I have to good. keep it calm now. Yeah. It's, it's, now that the host chair is kicked in, I'm kind of like, yeah. I'm feeling it's it. The, I'm riding it. The first one. There. Are you Are you nervous? Yeah, um, you know, because well, the shoes aren't that big. No, I I, I know. I that, mean, mine they, has big feet, but not. <laughs> like That's all. How long were we gonna go on that? Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm yeah, I'm taking over for Ryan Frost as he is out having a child and you no know, baby yet. Just nope. a report. Yeah, no baby as yet. of yet. I mean, for all I fucking baby know, watch, like I didn't something, ask him, but. Today's um, actually his birthday. Yeah. Well, that's true. Happy yeah. birthday, Ryan. Wherever you are. Suck a you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it would be ironic if today was the day. Yeah. But I, it's pretty late in the day, so He'd I don't be so think so jealous sharing that day with his child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Every... His child got all the cool stuff. Yeah, for, the, for years Laura, to come, how come you don't pay attention to me? Like, <laughs> yeah. You son of a bitch <laughs> took my birthday from me. I wanted that Spider-Man action figure, yeah. not yeah. you. <laughs> right, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be getting like gifts confused for years and years to come. Yep. Yeah. I wanted these Legos. Dad, oh. did you take my oh. Spider-Man issue? No. Oh, no. What? I thought they were my Legos, but they were yours. <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah. But anyway, so with me as always is James Hart, who you Hi. heard talking like a sad clown. And Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Brad, who is tired as all fuck because he's been working his ass off on JCVD DV. Yeah. Two back-to-back days of e- evening shoots. How much more you got? Uh, we have one more bonus commercial to do. Um and September 13th at night, we're doing the final principle of photography. And then we have a bunch of little uh, insert shots to do. So Nice. And then, of course, there's the post-production CGI stuff and uh, the sound mastering and the yep. scoring. and All the explosions. Yep. How many explosions? All the titties. How uh, many titties? No titties. Damn it. <laughs> I mean... Not Except this, for the not, titty explosions. Not this cut, yeah. The, the titty explosions. There are yeah. titty explosions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many explosions there are. Explosions of breath. There's like three, three explosions. Three really? Explosions? Yeah. That's nice. the least number of explosions in a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Well, this is only 
20 minutes. Yeah, no, I guess that's true. <laughs> it's a sample. ratio. It's, it's a sample uh, yeah, of uh, yeah. what yeah. JCVD usually offers. Right. If the movie were four times, four or five times as long, there would be a lot of it. That would be a good number of explosions. Yeah, You're exactly. Right. right. Yeah, man. Yeah. One, one explosion per act. Especially know? in the opening sequence. Like, that would be like the exposition heavy beginning 20 minutes where there usually wouldn't be that many explosions. It's like, set to the 1812 You're basically overture. starting off with a bang. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Cool. Um, so if you don't know what Real Nerds Podcast is, what we do is we go see a movie and then we share our thoughts about it. This week we saw Boyhood, yep. Richard Linklater's 12-year epic that uh well it's actually only three hours uh, i'm just well we'll get to the we'll we'll get to the uh review near the end of the show um i just hope that after we get past the spoilers we we see this kid grow up (laughs) um so um but we also look at box office numbers uh real news uh we talk about what we've been watching lately and we have comic books does anybody have a comic book this week nope we'll figure that out when we get there you know what we do have this week though what fan mail fan mail that's right Yeah, we got we got we got mail. We got mail in from mail. Dan. That's right. He actually <laughs> um, sent it the day after last week when we podcasted. I know it was too bad. <laughs> like, I saw it. it came in. I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch!" Especially because it was about um, all the the conversations that were happening about uh, Ryan finally seeing all of uh, all Star, Star Trek: The Next Generation movies. Okay, um, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read it anyway. And we will pretend like Ryan is here to answer some of these questions. Okay. Um, Hi, everybody. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Hi, Ryan. (laughs) Uh, Greetings. Uh, Though I agree with many of the comments made in your last podcast about the Next Generation films, I'd like to say a few words in defense of uh, Star Trek Nemesis. I agree. He's always arguing in favor of things that are, are, like, not really good. But I totally respect all of the things he says. Um, no, I just feel like it, it's funny. Like he writes in a lot to defend I've, these it, things. That, is like, this, we all is this Dan? Yeah. Is yeah. Dan okay. Yeah, I yeah. remember Dan. Yep. Um, I love Dan. Love Dan to death. He honestly made some good points about the Twilight films. But anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, I agree that it is a terrible Star Trek film. So that's a good place to start. However, I think it's a pretty good sci-fi action film. Nemesis Violet, the Romulan warship uh, alone, is worth watching Nemesis. Uh, in fact, it is so good that it was later copied by Battlestar Galactica. For that matter, it was later copied by 2009's J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. But anyway, um, <laughs> because the, and it's quite literally the same thing. Yeah. Um, as for Expendables 3, uh, while it may be the most well-made of the series, it really fails in the casting. Uh, Wesley Snipes is a poor substitute for Chuck Norris, and as much as I liked Mel Gibson, Van Damme had a screen presence that can't be matched. All the Expendables films have problems, and Threes is that oh uh, sorry, and Threes is that it provides the least interesting uh, cast matchups. Regards, Dan from Ohio. I actually I actually agree with Dan on Expendables three. Yeah, because I thought Expendables two was awesome. Oh yeah, I thought the first one sucked. Second one. Amazing. Yeah. Third one, down the tank. Really? Didn't, it didn't, just didn't work. And I, I like, I don't, I didn't think Mel Gibson was bad as a villain. I just thought that, like, it just seemed like, okay, whatever, we're doing this again. Well, and I think, like, uh, and Wesley Snipes, like, I'm, I'm glad to see that he's, you know, making money again after having some IRS problems. But, yeah. you know, like, I don't, does he, did he really need to do Expendables 3? I don't remember him from a lot of action movies other than Blade. 
and I guess U.S. Marshals. Man. U.S. Marshals. <laughs> the uh, Demolition Man. I, I would, Demolition yeah, Demolition Man. Man. I was kidding about U.S. Marshal. Like right. I, I really like that movie, but it, it is not in the same vein. And I, I, but like, but that, but they aren't as big as like say like a a Die Hard or right. like you know like Harrison well, Ford being in there makes sense. You know who should yeah. have been in there? Clint Eastwood as the president of the United States. Oh, that see, that's not bad. That would like, have been those awesome. guys. Some of those guys that they've started putting in there are not of the same vein as... Because like, he's right. Wesley Snipes is not an 80s big action star kind of guy. He's a 90s you know? like really uh, really interesting actor, you know? Yeah, like he... Uh, the, the guys that were originally in those movies were like those iconic, big, bombastic... Like there's a reason why Jean-Claude Van Damme fits as a villain in those movies. Right. Is that his, he just like fucking knows how to chew scenery left and right. And while I, I didn't see Mel Gibson, I think he can chew scenery, but he can't do it like like the champs can. Uh, he, he can't used do to, it like He used to be able to. He can't anymore. I don't know what... When, when, when did... It, hello, saw, Lethal Weapon? <laughs> you saw him be, uh, be over the no, top in Machete Kills. You saw that? Yeah, but that was fucking garbage. So like, <laughs> Which one? He wasn't good Machete in that kills? movie either. Machete Kills? Yeah. Uh, that was that felt underwhelming to me. Well, I'm just yeah, saying, Mel like, Gibson was like super over the top in that movie. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't. I don't know. He just doesn't sell it as well as like Jean Claude Van Damme does. He's not. I thought he sold it well in Lethal Weapon. I don't think he's selling it well. I anymore. don't think that Lethal Weapon is him chewing the scenery. Like that's that's him doing a genuine character. Yeah. Um, but still, there's some over the top moments in it. I love yeah. that movie to death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, as far as Nemesis is concerned, I actually. I'm not going to save this for what we've been watching. I watched Nemesis this week. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I can understand what he's saying. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the best action. I still think that first contact is the best, but I think it's, you know, there's some really cool stuff in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it's really hard to get over how bad the Star Trekiness of that, uh, that movie yeah, is. What he's saying is the Star Trek yeah. part that sucks. There's, oh, totally. It's like a, yeah. a good generic sci-fi film. But I was thinking yeah. about it like that, that first sequence, um, where, uh, they're getting chased on the on the dune buggies. Yeah, um, is is a pretty cool like car chase. I mean, it's it's okay. Um, I don't think it's as good as like the the exact same sequence is in Serenity. Like Serenity does does it way better. Um, but the problem is the whole time, like I'm, and and he's right. Like he's saying it's a bad Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to pretend like I'm arguing with him because I'm not. I'm agreeing. Uh, but the whole time I just can't get over the fact that. You know, it's Star Trek. They already told us that this is a pre-industrial society. And what do they do? They go down to the planet, and as soon as they see people from the planet, they start shooting at them with lasers and driving away in their space vehicles. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck Star Trek is this? Like, you know, especially when, when last year we had a movie where it starts with, with a similar kind of idea, and they're trying so hard and talking about the fact that they're, they've got to try to not let these people see them. You go to a... Next Generation movie, which was supposed to be one of the the ones that was really mostly concerned about the sci-fi and the you know about people and how the we have communities in space, yeah, fails to do and any it of that. just like completely betrayed. Like it just seems like it's written by somebody who didn't understand Star Trek at all, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is ridiculous because well, maybe it's not that ridiculous. I was about to say it's ridiculous because Rick Berman is is story credited on that movie, yeah. but Rick Berman is also the reason that Star Trek died. So <laughs> yeah, and John um, Logan. Like he won an Oscar for for Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, um, but he won it. For... And he he said he's like a big Trek fan, and he's like best buds with Brent Spiner. Yeah, Brent Spiner is also on the story credits. Yeah, um, just because he not won on it the out. script, but so yeah, yeah probably, probably, um, and probably just so that like, and also yeah. the movie's directed by Stuart Baird, who is mostly known for like 
editing action movies. Right. So yeah. you can tell, like, he's focused on just action sequences and not really telling a story. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Seems like this was, like, a, a job. Oddly enough, he edited U.S. Marshals. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'm amazed that you already directed that it. Hey, directed Brad, it. what did you watch this week? <laughs> U.S. Marshals. No, it's happening. Um, I think he edited The Fugitive. Oh, okay. But he might have directed U.S. Marshals. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. You've got the yeah. laptop open. You can find out. I, I could. <laughs> Google. I could. Uh, but we, we all know that searching up to see who edited fu- The Fugitive makes for horrible podcasting. Mm-hmm. Not, if it, um, not if we like do a little bit of a musical interlude. like do, 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 Well, do, if we do, just do, talk do. about how bad it is while IMDb loads, then yeah. Yeah. I didn't kill my wife. I haven't watched all of Nemesis. I've only watched like the first 15 20 minutes of it and i didn't i'm not a big next gen fan so i didn't like i need to get back into that to really understand what the problems are but it's been a long time since i've seen star trek nemesis well i mean he um it seems like it gets a really bad rap it's like the geely of sci-fi movies he, it's too bad because there's star some, trek movies there's I'm some sorry. really interesting stuff in that movie mm-hmm. um i think some of the ideas are cool but it's Q it's is really not... nemesis, not himself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it, it just doesn't understand s- those characters very well. Right. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, actually betrays a number of them. Uh, data to be the least number uh, among them. Yeah. Um, Why do we need to be like, for? You can just restart lore. He's out there. Well, but even that, like, what they do to kill Data in that movie is really superficial and really, tr- like contrived right um it it it's written in a way that's not like like inevitable it feels like well we have to kill data so this is how we're gonna do it Mm -hmm. um and it just ends up feeling so uh obvious to me that so he directed u.s marshals um Mm. he didn't do the editing but he did edit executive decision and all the lethal weapon movies Nice. I wanted to pull out Executive Decision because I really like that movie. I love Kurt Russell. Even though it is dumb as shit. <laughs> but I really, really like that movie. Why is it dumb as shit? It's, I, it's, you just know why? it's very 90s. It's, it's very, very 90s. mid-90s. That's why I love the movie nonstop because it just reminded me of Executive Decision and all those like different plane movies Executive Decision is way better than nonstop. And I, I like yeah, nonstop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Executive Decision is genuinely really cool. Oh, yeah. It's just like... It gets forgotten the same way that like Tango and Cash gets forgotten. Steven and Se- Steven Seagal is in the first fifteen minutes of that movie, and he's not credited throughout the entire movie. He's just there. <laughs> oh, dude edited Casino Royale and Skyfall. Man, Stuart Baird did. Yeah, yeah, yep. He edited Skyfall. Mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed to direct after Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wow. uh, that's kind of true. <laughs> he really never directed anything after Star Trek Nemesis. Um, not his fault. No, it's not his not, fault. Not his fault. It's really, Rick Berman. It takes a lot to... Someone should have taken Star Trek away from Rick Berman 15 years ago, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Um, um, do we have any more fan mail? No, I believe that's it. All right, let's pull in some real news. It's real news! Uh, there's not really much this week. Really? Um, yeah, there, it was a it was a kind of quiet week. Um, there is one really cool thing though, uh, which is, uh, and I uh, this I came across this while I was at work today and basically freaked out at my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Alamo Drafthouse mm-hmm. here in Littleton, yes, uh, has has got Ryan Johnson coming to town. Yes, for he'll be here for two days, and mm-hmm. they're having a three day long. Um, 
I don't know what you want to call it, a triptych, uh, a a um, collection uh, of of his films as well as his favorite films. So on Sunday they're showing uh, Brick and the Brothers Bloom back to back, and then on Monday they're showing uh, Ryan Johnson is bringing his copy, his thirty five millimeter copy of the Treasure of the Sierra Madre, uh, and showing that and sort of introducing it. And it sounds like he's gonna actually his uh, oh no his family's here for the next one. Um, so it sounds like he'll probably be talking about that movie to some degree. Uh, and then the next night, he's showing Looper and doing a live commentary during the movie. Um, all, you know, so it's Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday night, uh, which I didn't is see that it was. Amazing. I didn't see that it was 35 millimeter. I thought I didn't even see that. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's his copy That's of the sweet. movie. Because it's his favorite movie. That's um, awesome. So, yeah, you should you should get some tickets. Uh, the Looper showing is almost sold out. It's about 80%, it looks like. Uh, the other two are not as much, but right. the other two actually, to me, are a lot more interesting. Um, uh, the color commentary sounds really awesome. But, totally. But watching totally. The Treasure of the Sierra Madre and then having a, a fan of the film discussing it who's gone on to direct stuff for our, our age, yeah, that's totally worth it. It's really cool. Well, and And also it's one of the... Best movies ever made. Well, <laughs> Treasure Steel and Madre rocks. You're not going to get that many chances to see Brick and the Br- Brothers Bloom on a big screen ever again. Oh, um, no, yeah. Like absolutely. Looper, somebody's going to show Looper at a midnight screening, but like those two movies are really cool. And if you've never seen either of them, if for some reason you didn't see Brothers Bloom, or if you're one of the many people who missed out on Brick, uh, you should check those movies out because they are really, really cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially Brick is, Brick is awesome. Before that guy starts making Star Wars movies, you should find out what he's really about and how great the movies he's made have been. And uh, why his Star Wars movies will be awesome. Yeah. They yeah. Should Looper does in, a good job of that. They should throw in some episodes of uh, Breaking Bad in that. Yeah. Screening. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, he like, won an in Emmy the... For that. In the like pre pre show stuff, they're gonna show at least clips from some of that stuff. Because um, yeah, he's got some of the best episodes of of Fly, Breaking Bad. Ozymandias. The Fly, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And one of the best shots from the from the last few episodes. There's that shot where he's um, he's in the driveway and somebody pulls a car up behind him and he just backs like backs up and pushes their car into the street. Mm-hmm. It's such an amazing man, <laughs> badass scene. Um, so yeah, I think that's like kind of the only thing. Right. Um, I'm going back through and checking right now, but I don't see anything really that's coming out or that that's been. While we wait for real news, why don't you enjoy some? Uh, there, no, there's just there's just nothing. You know, refreshment. A lot of rumors about rebooting stupid shit, <laughs> like like Full House or Underworld. They're, they're they're rebooting Full House. No, somebody said like, oh, maybe we'll reboot Full House. Like, oh, no, they're they're probably not going to do okay. that. Okay, yeah, they better not do that. Maybe maybe Les I'm Weissman. not a fan of I'm not a fan of the show, but they just better not do that because that just seems like something that would make me angry. <laughs> maybe Les Wiseman like can't come up with anything new, so they're gonna you know completely reboot Underworld. Oh, okay, that's Hollywood. Whatever, I don't care. Well, it's 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 a business. Yeah, it is a business. Yep. Right on. Well, right on. Well, let's uh, let's put it keep into on some, trucking. Let's on yeah. Let's keep on trucking, and we'll go into the box office numbers. Okay. This is the box office stats. Are you as as good at this as Ryan is? Can you just like tell me off the top of my head, like uh, off the top of your head, like what movie? Can um, anybody guess? Um, I am thinking. I'm trying to do Karnak. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Is it? 
Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy is the number one movie of last weekend. Yes. Coming back up to number one. With how much? I don't know. You want to guess how much? 14.5 million. Nope. It was higher than that. It was 17.2, uh, just barely beating out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which had been at number one last week. Yeah, thankfully. Um, but dropped, dropped. down. I, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about what we watched this week. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> the movie we saw, Frank Miller's Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. You want to take a guess what number it came oh, in at? Oh, I know this exactly. This came in at, what, 9.8? Uh, no, no, even you're that. High. No, no, 6.5. 6. Point, yep, 6.3 is 6. right about. Uh, but it was number eight at the box office. Yikes. Beat out Robert, by... Robert Rodriguez, what happened? <laughs> yeah, beat that... out by The Giver in its second week. <laughs> the Giver? The Giver in its <laughs> second giver. week beat Sin City. The Giver became a movie? <laughs> yeah, and it wow. came out. And this the fact I that didn't you know. don't know it, and it's been its second week, and it beat... Frank Miller's Sin City. Isn't The Giver like a Hunger Games-esque kind of like story? Uh-huh. I remember yeah. that. Oh, gosh. But it's like from before The Hunger Games. Okay, right on. It was written before that. I, I've heard of the book, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well... So, too bad for Robert Rodriguez. Maybe he should start caring again. <laughs> Sorry, was that harsh? No, you're fine. <laughs> Reference I mean, my comments I mean, earlier look, about that, Machete but, uh, Kills. Look, that movie, though, by all, by, by all like comparison of what's came out this week as opposed to the movie we ended up seeing. This is true, yeah. Sin City, A Dame to Kill For is way better than The November Man or... Well, you haven't or, seen The November Man. Um, oh, did you see The November Man? Yep. Okay, all right. Well, then never mind. <laughs> um, okay, then that's fair. Went to a matinee today. <laughs> oh, good. Because um, uh, I... And, and, well, we'll, we'll talk on, about it when... Yeah, we'll talk about watching. it then. Um, right on. Cool. And um, let's throw into some comic book corner. Okay, well, shit. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. Well, we don't have to if we don't have a comic book. We don't have um, to skip it. Book. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this one before, mm-hmm. uh, but people should go check out Black Hole, which I recently lent to a, a co-worker of mine. Um, if you saw the uh, Planet of the Apes movie this mm-hmm. year, uh, it's the movie, it's the book that the one kid taught the, the one monkey how to, how to speak English. He taught him that using the book Black Hole. So mm-hmm. that that's how we'll tie it in to movies and comics. It's really good. It's super creepy and disturbing. Uh, please do not buy that book and give it to children because <laughs> you probably just shouldn't even read it because it's super fucked up. You're really but good it's at really, really, It's really, really fascinating and makes you feel uncomfortable <laughs> about like just a lot of things. Right. Um, so uh, go pick up Black Hole. You can probably get it at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Or if not, he'll just order it for you. But even still, because it's a trade paperback, you'll get 20% off of the cover price, which is awesome. Plus, if you open up a uh, a hold slot there, you can get like discounts off your comics there, which you should just do because that place is amazing. Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Yeah. They hook you up. Absolutely. That if was Ryan a were here, plug. <laughs> <laughs> if Ryan were here, he would tell you about like the... Super weird uh, Spider-Man comics that he got there that Andrew like found for him that are like just bizarre like first appearances of characters you've never heard of. Um, this one's a villain that nobody cares about anymore. This no. one's another villain that nobody cares about. <laughs> this one is not Doc Ock. <laughs> Seriously, the uh, like some aunt of his gave him a bunch of money and that's what he did with it. Was he went and bought like just weird that's... first appearances of Spider-Man there because <laughs> that's the kind of shit you can find at a really good local comic shop. Like Collar Coins, Cards, and Comics. They probably have Beavis and Butthead comics there, too. They've probably got it all. They do. They pro- I'm sure Wait, they do. Probably? They do. I'm sure they do. Exactly. Cool. So, um, let's move into what we watched this week. Okay. 
So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I'm going to change it up. Brad, what did you watch this week? I'm first. Yeah. You are now. <laughs> um, I watched a Netflix original cartoon series called BoJack Horseman. <laughs> Bo- <laughs> I you watched BoJack Horseman. I did. All of it. What would you think? Uh, I enjoyed it, except halfway through they start this... Uh, so if you don't know what BoJack Horseman is, it's a character voiced by Will Arnett, and uh, he his character is a a man with a, like a horse face, mm-hmm. like they're anthropomorphic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and the whole universe which in which they exist exists like regular looking people, and then animal like people's bodies with like animal faces on it. So like the news anchor is a whale, but he's got like a human body. Yeah. And then a bunch of his his, his uh. Bojack Horseman is a washed-up actor, and his casting agent is like a, a, a cat woman. Is he a horse? He is a horse. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's voiced by Will Arnett. Isn't yeah. It? And so uh, he was on, in the 90s, he was on this sitcom called Horsin' Around. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was. It eventually, it had, it had a good long run, but it got canceled, and he's kind of been drinking himself to death ever since then. <laughs> Trying to fill a void to, in his life. I'm trying to come up with a horse joke because you said that the show had a good long run. Yeah, but I, I just can't. Well, he has different catchphrases like "Did uh, he end up out to pasture?" Why the long face? Yeah, <laughs> they put my thing out to pasture. They use, they use uh, fun jokes. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's a show. It's that's the premise of the show, and then halfway through the series, they uh, I don't know if it's like it's supposed to be meta like this or if it's just poor writing, but. He eventually falls for his. There's a woman who's basically like taking notes as he dictates his biography, mm-hmm. um, and he falls for her. And then obviously she's uh, involved with someone else, so he tries to like. It's like a sitcom thing I've seen plot I've seen happen many times. So I don't know if they're trying to like it, it being a nod to like '90s sitcoms like that. Or if it's just like the stale, boring, like obvious plot that they're going through, but uh, right, um, you can only be so original before you have to start falling into plot uh, into those trappings. Yeah, just like the whole like, like there's this girl I want, I can't have her because she's with this other guy, and then she rejects me, and then next yeah. season maybe, yeah, and he makes a move, and she gets kind of confused, but then eventually she ends up staying with. The, yeah, it's like this sitcom plot I've seen over and over again. Is she also a horse? She's not a horse. She's a human. She's a Vietnamese woman. Super weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then her boyfriend is a is a uh, yellow lab named Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> <laughs> and Bojack Horseman's uh, casting agent right. is called Princess Carolyn. Now you've got me back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Patton Oswalt is many voices in the show. Is like big characters. Like the second episode is like called uh, Bojack Hates the Troops, and it's all around. <laughs> Bojack goes to the grocery store, finds a uh, tray of muffins in the produce section. Mm-hmm. He just buys them, or he thinks about buying them, but then this seal comes up and says, hey, I had those. Um, I had dibs on those, and Bojack's like, so what? They're sitting out here in the, who like leaves them in the produce section? Like anyone <laughs> could have just taken them. And then they just kind of like, it's a misunderstanding, and then he just gets petty and uh, takes them. And then like later in the day, they check on the news. There's this report uh, from that, apparently that's a Navy SEAL, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, Bojack basically like out of spite eats all the muffins, um, and then it gets misconstrued as like him 
hating the, the troops. troops and he's like yeah. he's actually like i don't hate all the troops like not all the troops are good guys like <laughs> some are but not you and i'm sure a couple others and so it's just yeah <laughs> um oh, right cool. yeah and he has this like towards the end he has this uh you find out he has this um desire to make a a movie about secretariat who i didn't see the toby <laughs> Maguire one but no, in, that's Seabiscuit. That's Seabiscuit. No, oh, Seabiscuit. Secretariat is the Secretariat one with. Is oh, Diane Lane. Yeah. Diane Lane and John Malkovich. Did that horse kill himself? No. Because in this story, uh, <laughs> Secretariat, I guess, <laughs> fell on hard times and jumped off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and he was Bojack's hero. Oh, actually, I think my favorite part is when they flash back to Bojack's uh, past, where he's living with like his mom and his dad who hate each other, <laughs> and his dad's like like a super. Uh, conservative yeah and bojack's like this little little tiny horse with a sailor costume <laughs> and he's like so sweet and he's like hey dad i made this for you like he like this little heart-shaped valentine for his dad and his dad's like what is this communist thing and he's like in the middle of make, making a ship in a bottle <laughs> he just spews out like every conservative like trope to explain like why his science his son is disappointing him oh he's like God. just this little innocent kid the first ones were like he's uh his dad's having breakfast and his wife comes over and just throws a breakfast burrito on the table is like here i made this breakfast burrito for you sorry i couldn't do it as well as your secretary but <laughs> um and then his dad says something like uh yeah well if my secretary got an abortion too and then i'd be in a better situation and then it like pans over and like little bojack's sitting there and it's like i'll take the burrito <laughs> shit so it's pretty funny i just i didn't like the whole like cliched Bojack falling for his uh, Ghost Rider plot. It's kind of got fun moments though. Yeah, right on. Cool, James. What did you watch this week? Um, well, we had to talk about Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, I also got a chance to rewatch uh, The Dark Knight Rises, which I realized I actually um, have not seen since theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it had been a while, uh, and damn, that movie is good. Mm-hmm. That that yes. movie is t- super good. Like. Yep. I mean, it does have its... What? Who cares? Like, yeah, seriously, that fun. movie's fucking good. I mean, nothing's going like, to top The Dark Knight for me. But right, The Dark Knight Rises comes really, really fucking close. Yeah, like, that movie's just... I, I don't even care about, like, comparing them. Like, that movie is just... I can sit down and enjoy that thing. And yeah, it's really It's pretty enjoyable. badass to watch. And sure, it's fucking long, but the sequences are amazing. And um, some things don't make sense, but whatever. I don't give a shit. Like, you know what's cool? <laughs> it's Batman. Fucking Batman and Bane and Catwoman getting on motorcycles. And, like, yeah. that movie is great. That one um, actually, like... When I'm trying to decide like which Batman movie to watch, like that's usually the one I end up just putting on the background and watching. Yeah, because you're it, like, well, if I watch one of the ones I really like, if I watch the Dark Knight Return or the, just the Dark Knight, like I'm gonna I'll get, get sucked, sucked into, into it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rise. Is I don't want to watch any of the shitty ones. But Rise, you're just like, no. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can enjoy watch it all of theirs. Like, it'll get to like Batman get his back broken. I'm like, yes, I'm in again. And then, yeah. um, and it's actually like better on home video just because I can understand what the fuck Bane's saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, Throw the subtitles up. Instead of just Well, no, without no, you don't need subtitles. It's just that like his voice is so loud. I remember his voice being so deep and loud in the theaters that it would like boom and echo and you you couldn't always quite make out what he said. Whereas on my TV like oh no, I understand. Like, yes, yeah, so the fire rises and I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, the fire rises." Okay, there's a lot yeah, of yeah. there's a lot of Kenny One of us must stay moments around. in that movie. Yeah, like there's <laughs> just, in theaters. There, there are lines of dialogue this time that I heard him say where I was like, "That's what the fuck you were saying." Yeah. Like, oh, my God. This whole time I've been wondering, like, what he told that dude on the plane. No idea what was going on. Oh. I was just like, 
okay, whatever. Like, oh, dude, that's a cool shot. Uh, that whole opening sequence to me never had a clue what the fuck he was saying to anyone. <laughs> Just knew like, well, I don't know, Bane's here. Oh my god, those guys are all dead. <laughs> that's cool. Whatever. Yep. Some blood in a bag. I don't get it, but. <laughs> It's a cool idea. Yeah, I didn't understand what that blood in the bag meant either. I th- it was we, just there. I, uh, yeah. I thought it was like, a, oh, there's a transfusion so they can like mistake somebody. Well, yeah, exactly. they're giving the actual guy's blood into the body that they're pretending is him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they said like it's, it's his the body. The doctor's blood is in the yeah. bag, and they're putting in just like a random body so that when that's they yeah, find yeah. the wreckage, they'll think that guy died. Okay, yeah. And then like the other guy has to stay around because like the manifest said that there was one extra guy. Right. Um, That's good, because I thought at first it was some kind of vampire, th- like, fad thing that <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, like, Bane's been, you know, feeding on the blood of other people. Yeah, you know. It's actually Morbius. You, you, don't know, you don't know this, but Marvel and DC had their first crossover, guys. It was yeah. two years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. That movie's um, actually about Morbius. I haven't um, seen that movie since theaters, either. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really worth checking out. It's really good. How yeah. does Bane um, eat? <laughs> how does he eat? I don't think he does. <laughs> um... The same one you do. Venom? He just eats Venom? Yeah. He just gets yeah. a no, hot he, beef he injection like a, in his yeah, mask. A, uh, I don't think it's Venom. Go- I, don't know what it, I don't know what that is, but it is like, Venom. No, uh, he, yeah, he gets like a transfusion. Yeah. I think it's like does, a Venom. He doesn't eat. It's a gas version of Venom, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. it's also Something meant... Like to, I don't think it's conveyed well in the movie, but I think it's meant to... Like, it also has a numbing effect. That's why he's able to tolerate pain more. Yeah. Right. Because he's got whatever thing happened to his face. Yeah. Right. It's so like constantly hurting. Yeah. And then so numbing that numbs pain. his whole body, so that's why Batman's yeah. punches don't have much of an effect. Right. And numbing his whole body also numbs him to the plight of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know if it's that deep. Don't know if it's that deep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's fucking cool, man. Um and then finally the uh the finale of the third season of Korra, and hopefully not the last season of The Legend of Korra, um was was not aired things don't air on the internet you know since it's not on tv anymore because they're probably going to cancel the show again you're on the stream it doesn't even go through the air it goes through the ground yeah it's (laughs) just like they just some dude hits a button and is like here you can watch this now and i was like wi-fi signals and like stuff like that transmission of data and so this season this season was a lot less um like political and and a lot more of one big long cohesive story basically this season like some stuff changed. They introduced a bad guy and his bad guy friends and those bad guy friends fucked shit up and like tried to kill everyone that we love in the show for about 12 episodes. Um, and, and so it, it was just overall the season to me was a little bit less interest. Like it wasn't a season that I walked away with at first going like, Oh man, you know, this is going to be one of those, those things where I can go and tell people like you were seriously, you're missing one of the most intelligent and cool and and best written shows on television because it's animated and you think it's for kids. Like, why aren't you watching this shit? Like this was one where it was just like, okay, this is just a really good action season. Um, and the finale for for, the fans, right? Yeah. It was like, okay, this is really cool. Like this is a cool story this time. Right. Um, and the finale, a, uh, lives up to that. And then B also, like brought back exactly what I wanted. Um, so the action sequences in this finale were <laughs> really fucking cool. Um, they kill a couple of those villains in some really gruesome ways. I'm just gonna straight up tell you one. Uh, so there's this. There's one of the villains this season um, has this power where she can basically like just blow shit up with her mind. Um, so she sees stuff and. Sort of like shoots this funny little laser thing out of her head and it creates these big explosions and she's super dangerous. Um, 
and uh, these two metal benders, you know, they can bend metal, have right. been fighting her for a while, and they're getting their asses kicked, and they're like, they're trying to protect Korra, but like everybody is dying around them, and it sucks. Right. Um, and finally, one of them like runs to distract the the this you know crazy explosion bitch, um, and the other one takes like removes the armor from herself shoots it across the field and wraps that girl's head in her own armor and right then you see her shoot it and like it it just bursts into flames and they cut away and it's like just the way they edit it is super gruesome nice um and re- like oh yeah it was just, it was so badass to like watch somebody's head just explode inside of a tin this can. This is a Nickelodeon show this still? Is, yeah, yeah, it's a Nickelodeon <laughs> show. This is why they don't air it on TV anymore. Um, but uh, but that was really cool. And then it it ends in this really poignant way. So um, basically in this season, Airbenders have come back mm-hmm. um, because you know the, the original series was called The Last Airbender. And you know, genocide had killed the rest of his entire race basically and he was the last one and this is a whole generation later and some things happened at the beginning of the season that people started like getting that power all of a sudden um so this season they were going around trying to collect new airbenders and there's this moment um core gets the shit beat out of her she ends up in a wheelchair at the end of the season and there's this really wonderful moment where the the airbenders that they have now basically decide that they're going to go out and and try to create peace and balance in the world which is what the avatar is meant to do and it's sort of this weird feeling like like they're going to go off and do the thing that the avatar is meant to do and that Korra no longer needs to be there like like the thing that she was born to do she doesn't necessarily have to do anymore um and she's so melancholy about the whole thing and the season ends with her basically really sad and then that was just it um and it, it's a really kind of haunting moment to end a season on, especially if this is the season finale or the series finale. Um, really leaves you, if you're a fan of the show, really leaves you with a lot of stuff to think about. As, you know, it's a it's a character that after three years, I think they've done a really amazing job of building up. Um, and I think the arc that they have told over the last three three seasons of her basically... You know, th- this one's been a lot. This this series overall has just been a lot more dynamic than the original. Where the original was like, there is a bad guy, and he is he hates people and kills a lot of people, and we need to go stop him. Whereas this series was, um, a lot about like wrestling with some pretty tough ideas. Um, you know, this season the the, the bad guy this season was basically an anarchist, and like make some pretty good arguments, especially for a kid's show about like why that makes sense and the rationale he's coming from. And um, the story arc that they've told for her as she sort of deals with these big issues has been really interesting. And it has been a character that I've, I've really loved and will sorely miss more than I even did the, the original series. Um, So I I hope they come back and make more of this thing. Um, It really is a special piece of television and and something that nobody else is doing this um so if you if you're still are not listening to me and not watching any of the show like the fuck is wrong with you like go give this thing a shot i know it's animated or whatever and it seems silly to you it's a really really smart show with some really cool stuff to say and some characters that will absolutely stick with you go Um, out and watch the legend of Korra. yeah that is the last time that i will 
plea for this show. No, it's fucking not. No, it's fucking not. Uh, I would talk about this thing forever because it's great. Uh, But anyway, that's what I watched this week. That's a perfect moment for anybody on the internet to go start rickrolling James. (laughs) Never. Never. What did I watch this week? Um, I well, I told you I saw two uh, two films. I also saw two other films. Um, first two films were TMNT or the, Teenage well, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, Michael Bay's Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you guys give me a lot of shit for loving Michael Bay. And um, I don't, I don't give you any. No, shit no, for I, no, no, not not shit, but like that. Remember, oh my gosh, uh, for anybody who doesn't um, know how wonderful these guys are. Um, they gave me a VHS copy of Pearl Harbor, and on it they That's wrote, right. um, Dear Zach, we heard you like Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Love the real yeah. nerds. And so, and, and so since then, every time I see a Michael Bay product, I always think of these guys. This was uh, this was like the first Transformers movie for me, so it was kind of so it was awesome. It was hard to watch. God damn it! Because I'm not a big fan of the Transformers movies in general. Like I liked the fourth one, but I told you why I liked it. Yeah, Marky Mark knows how to talk in a way that I'm like, okay, I want to watch this guy just act today. <laughs> today it's today it's Mark Wahlberg acts day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I walked into Turtles. Like I, I'm not a. I'm not even the biggest turtles guy in the world, but like I remember the f- movies with the uh, with, with the puppetry and um, the yeah. costumes, and this felt like C- it's it, it's obviously CGI, so it didn't. It felt like if you're gonna do it, they did it right the first time in 2007 with TMNT, which mm. was just a straight up animated film, which I thought was actually really good. Yeah. And it was really like, like solid one. storytelling and solid like I, I believe it follows continuity from one of the shows. Um but this one felt like we have no idea how to sell Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to this generation. Mm-hmm. Like everything felt like they either retried to do stuff from the nineties in the most updated stupidest way possible yeah like or they just didn't know how to handle certain elements and they were trying to make it as edgy as possible like different like they were trying to deviate so much from continuity it seemed like like shredder wasn't really shredder as you and you warned me about that brad Hmm. and i and i didn't believe you and then you were right he wasn't shredder it was just some guy it was just some dude yeah (laughs) basically a henchman Yeah. So, like, as a nerd, I didn't really appreciate it, and I also just didn't appreciate the the length of it. It was way too long for me. But yeah, um, you know, there was way too much Megan Fox in that movie. Yeah, way too much, way too much. I like Megan Fox. I think she's okay. She's not. Yeah. She's not shitty, but like, you know, she's just. I don't. I just don't know how good of an actress she is. Like, or how much she even cares. When she's just, she's the focal point of the movie, which is not what I want. Remember the part uh, when after she s- runs into them on the rooftop? Yeah. She goes back to her own apartment, starts going through her letters and diary. Oh, my gosh. What? And uh, wondering, like... fucking exposition. Did these guys look familiar? Oh, that's right. I did name four turtles and a rat. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> how could uh, I forget that? How would I forget those four so, turtles and a rat? It was only just ten it's years like ago. Yeah. some voodoo recipe. <laughs> in the laboratory of, fire that my father died in. Instead of uh, saving my dad... I took them out into the street and threw them into the sewer, thinking uh, that would save them, because it, I'm a fucking idiot. It was hard to watch. Uh, <laughs> some of the worst 
exposition and just general still storytelling not, that I've seen in a while. Still not as bad as the awkward conversation between Shia LaBeouf and his mom in the first Transformers. <laughs> I, I so disagree. I so disagree. <laughs> I yeah. I think that movie is cohesive and tight and and a, a, an interesting action movie. Even if you hate the action in those movies or you hate those characters, like that movie is well defined it's and it's follow the, at least at least follows like the it's it the makes structure se- it's of a the, one of the few that makes sense yeah <laughs> right. the like, at least don't. it's telling me a story um this just is a fucking mess um yeah right yeah it's just it's not great I, I didn't like and it. to be fair not directed by michael bay right yeah no directed by jonathan liebsman i think uh, his name yeah. is yeah um and then i saw the november man um I told you before we went into our movie tonight, when I saw the trailer for that movie, it looked like the most generic thing on the planet. Yeah. And it is. <laughs> there is nothing special about this film. What, what is what is a, a November man? It's just his code name. <laughs> it's just his code name. It's a I really fucking horrible title. I didn't I I I don't even like I, here's how here's how boring it is. You watch that movie and you're just like I didn't realize Pierce Brosnan was still an action star or still a thing. Yeah. Like at, throughout that whole movie I was wondering like how did this get a wide release? Like there's other movies that have come out on VOD that are better than it's, this. No, it's real simple. Someone said Liam Neeson. Ooh. They that's what they thought. They thought they were getting their own version of a Taken thing. That makes sense. Yeah, where they're like, "Oh, we'll take an older guy who used to who who we'll not even put it used out in the be, middle of like, September when nothing happens." Right, exactly. Okay, exactly. I see that formula. And we'll we'll I, market I, it I really it well. Working. And there will be a generation of people who still remember loving Pierce Brosnan who will be like, oh, Pierce Brosnan's back? I remember 1998. <laughs> I loved Pierce Brosnan then. And those people will go see it. But uh, he's not Liam Neeson. It's just really generic. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, didn't, I, I didn't like it. Like, I, now, I did see two movies that I did like. I saw Star Trek First Contact. Awesome. And um, the I. Best action scene. Uh, movie be, of the... Those are some of the best action scenes in a Star Trek film. It's also <laughs> one of the best stories for a Star Trek film. Yeah. It just played out like a really. It's, it's, it's like a really cool fan episode. Here's the thing if you wanted to make a Star Trek Next Generation movie about Patrick Stewart, about uh, Captain Kirk, uh, sorry, uh, Captain Picard fighting himself, that's the movie, right? Like that really is a movie. That would where, make more sense. That really is a movie where yeah. he is fighting against like his own. He's fighting in a lot against the, his, his, his he, the Borg instinct. Well, and just his his sort of anger and bitterness over the things that have happened to him. Like that's what he's fighting against. And yeah. that, that amazing sequence where he breaks his tiny little ships and he finally realizes, like, I have to blow up the damn ship in order to to yeah. stop these guys because that is more important than like my own pride. That scene is better than any of the stuff in Nemesis where he is supposedly fighting himself. Right. And I didn't and I and I love that moment like right before when he's like, I won't give up the ship, I won't give it yeah. up. Because I like as a as a Star Trek guy, I'm getting why he's doing it. As a moviegoer. Yeah. As a moviegoer, I'm looking at it going like, Oh my gosh, this is a really good like Con, con, scene of conflict where I can like go either way with Patrick Stewart at this right. point. Yeah. Like if I didn't know like what kind of character Picard is, you could easily fool me as an audience member who didn't watch Star into, Trek. Into basically generation. thinking that this is a you know white whale sort of story, right? Which if you it look is. at it as Moby Dick, it's yeah. Moby Dick in space. Yeah, it's really good. It's just so awesome. Man. And um, and the other thing that I watched this week was um, I started watching Arrow. Oh. 
Okay. I I'm only I'm only three episodes in. Why do people say this show is good? Um, I I I think I know why. Okay. Smallville. That's it. It's it's because Smallville but worked. I liked the first couple, like the first season and a half of Smallville. I actually and I don't like. And you Superman, don't like Arrow. But I well, I only watched the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. I, it to me it feels very cheap CW like, and then I started it seeing is. like the the early pictures of like um, it is, but that's but that's some like of the, the villains and things like that, and going this looks like garbage. But that's what makes it fine. That's what makes it fine because it's it, it does have a bit of that CW flash to it. Okay, but that's fine. Like it's a it's a comic book character. Like and honestly, uh, like it is, it's a comic book character. You yeah, can, but you're, you're, that's a that's a creative license that works. Marvel does it all the time. Sometimes where they they get really flashy. Now they tell way better stories, but like they can yeah, get flashy they, at their moments. But I think they hold themselves to a higher. Like some of the stuff I've seen from that. And again, I haven't been watching it. I just I watched the first two two episodes and then like started seeing some of the promotional stuff of like what some of those villains were going to look like. And I was like, this looks. Like mid '90s hot garbage. Like it's better than that. Okay. It, it, you have to get you have to get more in. Okay. Like I, I mean, I'm only three, four episodes in, but I, 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 after that first episode, second episode was way better. Third episode way better. Fourth episode, like it gets better as it's going on. Okay. That first episode does feel kind of CW flashy, but the attitude is right for Green Arrow. Okay. Like it, 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 it's an attitude that makes sense, and it's the action acting choices in it are nice. There, it it sells me on the show. It sells me on the character. It makes me want to follow follow it through. Cool. And I've only read a few Green Arrow comics, like Quiver. I've read obviously, and some. I I, I did read the the storyline where his uh, sidekick Speedy did heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like pretty much like I wasn't a big Green Arrow guy. Watching that show made me want to go pick up some books again. Cool. So yeah, I like that. Oh. And I also watched um, – I watched one of my top ten of last year again to see if I still liked it. Um, I watched Pain and Gain. Mm. And uh, so it's kind of a Michael Bay doubleheader. Um, I still love that movie, but now I finally understand what, I, what it is that I truly, truly love about that film. I didn't care how stupid it was. Yeah. <laughs> I can. didn't care. Like that, that was one of those magic moments where Michael Bay hit me at the right moment and I was just like – I don't care if this is everything Michael Bay normally does in a movie. Somehow this is all working. Yeah. Like it's just like the the things that the characters say, like it sounds like the script of a like it sounds like the script written by the people who wrote Captain America and or Captain America Winter Soldier. Like there's very smart things in it or very dumb moments played up in a very smart fashion. Hmm. It's just like if you if you look at it in a certain way. And like and I I think some it's some great comic timing in there. Um and Mark Wahlberg's just hilarious in it. And on top of that, you also have Tony Shalhoub, who's, like, yeah. doing this very, very weird, like, very despicable character who's just, like... And, and yet, in one scene, we're supposed to feel sympathy for him. And and I, did, I don't. That's the thing. Like, I look at everybody in that, uh, in that movie except for Ed Harris as despicable. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's hard for me to ever feel sympathy for him. That's why the movie doesn't feel like perfect or anything like that because there are those uneven moments where it's just like this isn't working it's re- so. it's really good yeah it's really really good yeah so but anyway cool this week we saw nope wait no we have more yeah yeah what, what did we miss I'm dvds trying, I'm, and blu-rays dvds and blu-rays dvd releases and blu-rays 
I can't believe I missed it. I already, I already fucked up, Brian. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, 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 I was just gonna let it happen. Um, Sweet child. <laughs> Uh, the big release actually this week is uh, Draft Day, which I didn't get to see this year, but uh, <laughs> Ryan and Brad did, and I, I you guys kind of liked it, right? If I remember yeah, that's all right. Okay, but, but whatever. Um, Person of Interest season three comes out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a like straight to Blu-ray film version of Heavenly Sword, which is a video game that was like a premiere game on the PS3. Um, a Blu-ray of uh, For No Good Reason. Is that a new movie? That's the Johnny Depp movie. But he looks younger. Which Maybe one? Maybe he's just cleaned up. For No Good Reason. For No Good Reason? Yeah, with Terry Gilliam and Johnny Depp and Ralph Steadman. Oh, it's about Ralph Steadman. Oh, you know who Ralph Steadman is? No. Ralph Steadman is uh, Hunter S. Thompson's artist. Oh, okay. The guy who draw, drew all the yeah. Gonzo paintings for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and yeah. all the Hunter S. Thompson uh, articles for Rolling Stone. Gotcha. Yep. I want to see that documentary. I have it on my uh, Amazon queue. Cool. Anyway, well, that's out this week. Uh, as well as season nine of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which has a really great cover. Uh, and I believe it's season five of The League, uh, both of which are really good. So you should go get those. Right on. Um, but anyway, that's DVDs. Cool. What did we see this week? This week we saw... Boyhood 2, Life Sucks. No. Oh. Um, boyhood 3. Boyhood 2, The Suicide. Deal with it. Boyhood 4, what did you call it? The Grave? Oh. <laughs> no, yep. this week we saw Boyhood, Richard Linklater's 12-year epic. James, should people go see Boyhood? Um, d- yes. <laughs> boyhood is... I mean, this is not a movie for everybody, right? Like, this is definitely a indie little picture um, but I think it's really cool and a special experience. Um, I don't think you need to like, I don't think you have to see it in a theater. Um, th- that part's cool. But when you do see this movie, you sit down and really pay attention to it because, you know, there's not really a lot of a point to it. Um, but experiencing this whole three hours of watching this kid grow up over a 12 year sec, you know, period, um, it's really special, and there's a lot of nuance to it. Uh, so give it your attention, um, for sure. I, I think this movie is is important to me in some ways. So yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. It's two for two because Brad did not see the movie this week. Um, I um, I there's just something about walking out of that film with the last line in mind, mm-hmm. and I won't spoil it in the beginning right one right here, but to watch that film and to get to that moment, I had to imagine that Linkletter going through his head was like, this is why I'm making this movie. Um, and to watch the development of like seeing that kid from six years old to 18 years old is mind bending to watch as a, as a cinema goer, as somebody to watch as somebody who's watched like movies for years, I've never seen anything this powerful other than maybe the movie 49 up by Michael Apted. Um, and this felt like a dramatized version of that in some ways. So um, I really enjoyed it. And the performances are fucking phenomenal. They're really good. Um, here's a trailer for Boyhood.
about it. What if we can use the bumpers? You don't want the bumpers. Life doesn't give you bumpers. We have a new student joining us today. Hey, dude. Welcome to the suck. Mom. Have you been partying? Be Mason. What do you want to do? So there, there are times when, like the the clearly non-actor characters in this movie like you know there there are times when some dialogue is really stilted or things like that but it ends up not really mattering because you it's a slice of life he, exactly like you you sort of know what he's doing and you tend to forgive that stuff plus any time that Ethan Hawke is on the screen he steals everything and reminds you of why you're there yep. um so it just it it uh, sort of Reinfuses it with some momentum at those points, and you're like, "Oh yeah, right! Like this is awesome." Um, but it's really the the quiet little things, the sort of subtle things that I don't even know that they are intentional in the movie. Um, just little ways that certain characters will behave at certain times that that because it feels very um, um, spontaneous. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems it collaborative. Just, yeah, it, it just it seems is, very collaborative. And the the way they set it up, like the what, from what I heard in production was that they what they did was like th that every actor involved per, like incorporated elements of their own life into mm. the script. Like the script was ever changing, ever ongoing. Even though Richard Linklater is credited with writing and directing it, right? Like it's clear that they had. There's a lot of outside influence that's going right into it for those performances to feel as good as they do. And the kid um, whose name escapes me. Um, Oh, His, shoot, I've got it right here. Yeah. Uh, Eller Moltrain, Coltrane? Eller Coltrane. No, Mason is the character. Yeah, the Mason character. Watching his development, like, there's some choices that he makes as an actor years down the line in the teenage years that seem very, like, uh, interesting and very different. Um, and, I, I, and you don't know if it's – there's moments where you could seem like, oh, the kid's, like, tired of coming into work. Mm -hmm. these like little parts out of the day, but at the same time you're like, that can't possibly be because yeah. he stuck it out for this long. Like there, there's, th there's something about that performance that feels so refreshing by the end of it. Like I, like I said, said before that last moment when they're out in the middle of the, uh, the, uh, the rock canyons, um, after eating a pot brownie yeah, and just talking about how, um, uh, seizing the moment is, as an irrelevant term. And it's more about moment seizing us, and that that was like I mean obviously that's the more artistic way to go out, but mm. I just love the way, the fact that he did go out on that because it's yeah. like how do you end a movie about that's essentially that just is, following boyhood? It's, yeah, it's a, this movie is not really for like uh, a nerd podcast. But there's <laughs> not yeah, there, there isn't really a lot of there's not a lot of plot. I mean there is there is to some degree sort of this overarching 
journey that this kid goes on inside of his family to try and sort of just survive some of the things that happen. And you see um, the difference in how he responds to certain events yes. early in his life as opposed ha- to later on, right. especially the fact that he has two bad alcoholic stepfathers throughout yeah. his life. And um, you watch those – you watch his reaction to um, what um, uh, the first stepfather is doing when he's drinking and then you see the reaction years later where he's yeah. not even like – he's not even phased by it because he's seen it before but he's also standing up for himself. So it's yeah. like he's learning these lessons as you go along. And what's really cool to me is that he – and it, it it gets drawn into focus by a scene later on when his mom is like – Listing all of these things that she remembers about his life, and this happens with other characters throughout the movie too, where they'll they'll talk about things that happened in their life earlier mm-hmm. that weren't ever in the movie, and you, what you sort of remember is that, or or what you what you realize is he's he's focusing on these little sequences that are the kinds of things that we we actually genuinely remember about our lives when we were young, uh, that the things that we that stick out are like these bizarre little moments or these little things that happened that we made a big deal out of that that maybe weren't a big deal at the time mm-hmm. um things like you know his one stepdad shaving his head and stuff like that that is is such a tiny little story that would never be a part of any other movie right. it gets to be a part of this one because all those little pieces add up to a big overarching life basically this mo- um, this movie is really, really good neat. at making you realize how many how much how much we as people overreact to the tiniest shit exactly it's exactly. so good at that it's how, so good how at important that. those things end up being yep. it's um, really really good at doing that <laughs> yeah i i think it's really worth checking out um it's it's hard to it's hard to really talk about in a way that has much meaning because the the experience is everything with this. Mm-hmm. I th- um, actually, I actually think seeing it in a theater is important because yeah. you have to force yourself to sit down and watch this. Yeah. If you're not accustomed to watching, it's a very long film. It's mm-hmm. it's over close to three hours long. Um, if you're not accustomed to watching movies like this, it's best to see this in a theater. And make it that experience. Like, yeah. make it like the play you're going to go see this month or something like that, and it's right. way cheaper than a play. Um, but you know, treat it as if though you you have to pay attention. You, this is not. There's no explosions in this movie. There's no turtles. There's no Pierce Brosnan. This is just straight up uh, a pure piece of art. Mm-hmm. And if you watch it correctly, you're gonna you're gonna feel exhilarated, and you're gonna want to watch these characters even beyond that screen going to black. Yeah. Like what's ama- What I was saying about it was amazing. Is is that I was telling Brad. Right as I got out of the theater, I was like, if um, if Richard Linkletter had decided to follow him through his 20s or even his 30s or pick up on him years later, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate for a second yeah. to see that movie. Yeah. Because it's he Linkletter is that good as a director and as a writer of creating characters that are so interesting and so well developed that it doesn't matter that there's no point or plot to mm-hmm. the movie. I think that um, the last thing that I want to really dig into on this is that um, what's really cool is that he so deliberately doesn't let this let it make a point. I don't uh, really, you know, there there are things that I wanted him to tie together. There are moments I wanted to see in this movie, um, things that I wanted to hear characters say to other characters just to resolve certain issues. And what I realized is that that was very deliberately what he didn't want. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like he was trying to avoid that stuff. And what the, what's really awesome about that is that what it what it allows the movie to do is to dig into each person who s- sees it, dig mm-hmm. into its audience, and and basically pull stuff out of them and make them analyze that. Right. So it it's reflecting someone else's interpretation of what it's like to be a child on you and then that causes you to think about yourself and your those relationships in your life i mean i will be completely honest and it's not because i have a poor relationship with anybody in my family but when the movie was over i really kind of wanted to go home and like hug my parents and talk to them for a little while right. um and just catch up with people and like like suddenly that family sort of unit became not more important than it is to me at any other time, but through the experience of that film became important at that moment um, and, and made me think about that and how I value that and, and what it means to me and how I communicate to those people. Uh, the, the thing that, like, that bothered me and that I really wanted him to tie up was that about halfway through the movie, I started noticing that no one ever said that they loved each other. That that we watched this whole movie with a fan, and I want to go back and see and and see if he did that deliberately, and see if that's in the, not missing from the early movie as well. Um, but there are these sequences where like people are live, leaving or things like that, where you would sort of expect it. And I started noticing that it was almost deliberately not there, where people were saying things but not really like saying anything to each other that made it clear that they cared. It's um, it's in about a, not in a in a in a direct way. Like there's, there's that amazing scene with Ethan. Sorry, but there's that amazing scene with Ethan Hawke where he stops the car and tells them like, no, you like, you've got to keep me in your life and you've got to tell me what's really going on because that's important to me. Talk to me. Samantha, how was your week? Uh, I don't know, Dad, it was kind of tough. Billy and Ellen broke up, and Ellen's kind of mad at me because she saw me talking to Billy in the cafeteria. And you remember that sculpture I was working on? Well, it was a unicorn, and the horn broke off, so now it's a zebra, okay? But I still think I'm going to get an A, right? Mason, uh, how was your week? Well, Dad, you know, it's kind of tough. Joe, he's kind of a jerk. Actually, he stole some cigarettes from his mom. He wanted me to smoke them. But I said no, because I knew what a hard time you had quitting smoking, Dad. How about that? Is that so hard? Dad, these questions are kind of hard to answer. What is so hard to answer about what sculpture are you making? It's abstract. Okay. Okay, that's good. See? That's... I didn't... I didn't... I didn't know that. I didn't know you were even interested in abstract art. I'm not. They make us do it. But, Dad, I mean, why is it all on us, though? You know, what about you? How was your week? You know, who do you hang out with? Do you have a girlfriend? What have you been up to? I see your point. So we should just let it happen more naturally, right? That's what you're saying. Okay, that's what we'll do. Starting now. And in saying that, he's saying a lot of the things that I want to hear from a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the fact that, like, those little subtle things that are, I feel like are staples are missing. I think what he's at least to me what he made me start realizing was that like those things end up being less important than the little scenes in like the little things that we do to each other in between Mm -hmm. Uh, and that to me was so cool and so i honestly wanted a scene like as he was leaving to go to college i wanted someone to either address that or like to say that or like that there would be some bit of meaning dropped on that to draw attention to that theme and he i realized he was deliberately not drawing attention to any theme other than your life is moments, and here are some of them. Yeah, because um, he doesn't he doesn't use any melodrama, right? And he doesn't use any uh, you like you said he doesn't even use any I love yous. Doesn't use many many forms of intimacy outside of when the boys actually, you know, like 
like starting to talk to girls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's nothing in that realm. And it's what's wonderful about it is, is that it it does play on the idea that we think about unimportant shit more than we do about like good moments. Mm-hmm. You know, like we focus on negative sometimes more than positive. And you see how the negative effects don't really make this kid like a douchebag or anything. Yeah. He's just a kid going through the same things that kids always go through. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Really, really good cool. movie. Yeah, I really like it. Um I want the Blu ray to be like just chock full of awesome stuff. Um because I'm really interested to see just to know more about this. And uh, I would see something of a sequel to this, but I don't know that I need it. Yeah. Um like well, there's a trailer for a movie that you can watch that's just like that's just as good as this. Um, it's forty nine up. Mm. Oh they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. they followed people from a younger age to like the age of forty nine, and it's 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 a documentary, so it's like right. it's, it's it's more real. It's real and it's raw and it's uncut. Um, this film, you know, obviously is is, is the fictionalized version right. of yeah. what forty nine up is. Yeah. And as far as like just, I mean, Linklater has done the I'm gonna fall catch up with these characters every few years thing before. I don't necessarily need that here. <laughs> Um, like that was cool for the sunrise uh, film for the sunrise series, for this yeah. like as a as an overall project like I think this thing is is probably his masterpiece like I, I just don't know that he can get better than this like right. uh, this is before, am- da- before daybreak the this, fourth in the series <laughs> yeah this is amazing in a way that that transcends just the fact that it was that it took twelve years to make and that like the gimmick is not why this movie's awesome. It adds to why it's awesome, but it's not. It doesn't define it. Actually, I love. I love that you brought up the gimmick because, to me, one of the one of the things that this film achieves outside of just being a pure piece of art is it reminds. It, to me, it reminds me about what's so fun about films, which is we're trying to sell. You're trying to sell like a, any type of like artist statement. How do you do that? You got to flash it up. Yeah. And it's a testament to how people have been drawn into this film because of the fact it was made over the period of 12 years. It's so interesting to see that gimmicks still work to get people to draw them into something really good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to sell a movie in the worst possible way for it as an as a piece of art in order to get people to come in and see that art. Like in Glorious Bastards, I feel like the trailer is not a representation of that movie at all. Right. Um, whereas Django is much more in tune with what it is. Um, but when you watch a movie like *Inglorious Bastards*, you're not seeing a, a, a rock'em sock'em action film. You're watching a very slow, methodical movie about a young girl who's taking revenge on uh, the Nazis. Yeah. And in *Boyhood*, you're being led into this thing that's like, oh, it's going to have this deep meaning. It's going to have this wonderfully impactful story. But no, you're getting you're getting what the what the title is and what the gimmick is for the most part. Following this twelve year following this kid for twelve years. Yeah. And what's the result of that? And focusing on the things that probably stick out in his memory more yeah. than others. Because um, at, at this time, that's what's important to him. The, the important moments that we think about as older people are not as important to him right now because he's, eight, he's now, I think he's now like 18, 19 or something like that. Yeah. Like those moments like are going to mean nothing in the next like 10 years, but they mean something now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. cool. But we are literally putting Brad to sleep. Yep. So next week um, we are seeing what are we saying? We have no idea. <laughs> we have no so, idea. Tune in next week and we will probably see something. Tune in next week know. when Zach still doesn't know what's going on. September <laughs> September's a real real rough month. Yep. So uh, but we get in two weeks we get some walrus. Yes. Three. Yes. Three. Three. It's three. Really three That's weeks three weeks. That's yeah. right. 
Three weeks yeah. till Walrus, yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so right. coming back. All right, we'll yeah. talk about something next week, but Come who knows on. what? We'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about your white shirt, something like that. I don't know. No, we won't talk about that. Okay, okay fine. fine. Stupid. Okay, that sounds that, I mean, that sounds terrible. Okay, uh, fine. I'll you know never to, be the host of this show again. Do you know how to end the show? Yeah. Um, fuck you, Ryan. Nope. No. You bye. Just say bye. Bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.